0: Neil Jackson, writer, director, actor, and uh, you're listening to the Atomic Podcast.
1: Intellectual simulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, and here is your host of the show, Efren Guzman. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Ephraim Guzman. My guest today, he's back on the show again, 2018. Um, he's a director, writer, filmmaker. Ladies and gentlemen, Neil Jackson. Neil, welcome back, and uh, Happy New Year to you, man.
0: Hello, mate. Happy New Year. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. And yourself?
0: Yeah, very, very good. Thank you, mate. Um, it's, it's been an ex- start started this year which is
1: super exciting for me. I know last time we talked we talked last year and you had a lot of stuff going on we talked about you know per- we also talked about your personal you know stuff with your brother and everything your mom and everything um personal um, professional wise um there's been a lot of changes for you and um, a lot of good changes and a lot of personal changes for you um tell the people what's going on in, in the life of Neil what's going on.
0: year last year which was uh, which was wonderful I did um, absentia which we talked about which was the show I shot in Bulgaria which is now aired on Amazon Prime and has come out to amazing reviews people seem to really be loving it which is super humbling and lovely and as a result we've got a second season of that which we're going to be shooting in Bulgaria in August um, I was lucky enough to work with Robert Zamekis who's a a kid. I was a huge fan of his work, from everything from Back to the Future to Who Framed Roger Rabbit to Forrest Gump and Contact and all these amazing movies. Just to uh, stand on a set with him and work on what I think is going to be a beautiful film called Women of Marwin that comes out next year. Uh, Sorry, no, this year in uh, November, uh, 2018. So stand on a set with him and have him direct me was spectacular, and I learned so much from him. I always, I, I mean, I always learned so much every time on the set. But um, one of the things I loved about working with him is, I mean, he's, 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 he's got this enviable CV of, like, any one of those to me is a mic drop. I mean, if you've written, created, directed Back to the Future, then that's a mic drop for me. I mean, it, it's kind of like, you don't really need to do anything else, but then on top of that, to have done Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was the the one of the most complex and startling films I think I'd ever seen as a kid I and mean, that was the film that made me really want to be a filmmaker because I sat there I must have been about 10 or 11 when that came out and I sat there in the in the cinema and just mouth agape believing in magic because what this guy put on screen was something that I hadn't seen before I mean, mm-hmm. to blend 3D animation with live action and put it in a way that was seamless in a story that was just compelling and cute and everything else like this and to say this to him on set, I mean, I got to say that a friend, Roger Rabbit, is the reason that I became a storyteller. I wanted to tell stories, and to have the filmmaker himself giving me these amazing tidbits on what it was like to shoot, because I think he was like 30 years old when he made that. So to be a young man and make something of that complexity. Um, and um, on my very last day, I went up to him, I'd, I'd ordered a um, one of the original, Frank Roger Rabbit posters online, managed to find somebody who had an original poster and got it sent to me in Vancouver when we were filming. And I went up to him on the last day and I said, uh, I've got this poster. Would, would, would you mind signing it for me? And uh, he was like, kind of blasé as he sat in his director's chair. He was like, yeah, just leave it in my uh, my, my trailer. Tell me what it's for and I'll, 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 I'll get it to you. I was like, no, dude, it's, it's for me. <laughs> and uh, he his face lit up again and I was like, Conversation. Mm-hmm. Three months ago, when we started this talk about Frame Roger Rabbit, face facing up. It's gone. Of course, sorry. Yep. And we ended up having holding up production for about another twenty minutes while we were talking about Frame Roger Rabbit again. And this is one of the things I love about filmmaking. I've always said I would rather talk to a passionate bricklayer than an apathetic astronaut. Oh, yeah. Hearing somebody who's passionate about what they do and listening to them talk about it with passion. to the right to hang up his cleats with the number of just amazing films and Oscar winning films that he's done, but to stand on set with him and listen to him become almost like a 12 year old boy again, talking with giddy passion about the stuff that he's done and the stuff that he's currently doing. I mean, we'd have a miniature um, set that would, was built because part of the movie that we're doing and Marwin, is going to be motion capture. So it's, it's set in the imagination of a man. in <laughs> we're doing because otherwise what's the point you know yeah and i think that it's very easy sometimes to get stayed and mired in the in the adult perspective of life of taxes and and got to pay your bills and Mm -hmm. life and everything else like this but it's essentially when i get to work with people like that it it, it reminds me of the thing that's important you know how i did that which was such a gift Sorry, what were you gonna say?
1: No, I was gonna say, you know how they say meeting your heroes sometimes is a letdown. So Robertson Zemeckis was one of your heroes. It definitely wasn't a letdown, right?
0: Yeah, it isn't that. They say avoid meeting your heroes, I mean for that reason. But um, it wasn't a letdown at all and, and and that man's mind that man's mind blows my mind. Wow. I mean he he was he'd been working on this film for five years, he uh, he invented technology for this film. So motion capture um, for people who don't know it It's kind of the stuff that was really brought to the fore um, By Robert Zemeckis He was the first person to do a the full, the, uh, full motion capture film Which was Polar Express mm-hmm. So he basically invented the medium for film um, And then it's been uh, advanced and advanced By uh, all the various different people From Lord of the Rings with Gollum All the way through to now yeah, Black Panther There'll be motion capture um, characters that are in Black Panther but he kind of, he was one of the pioneers of the movement. But in motion capture, um, motion capture is, I don't know if anybody's ever seen footage of Andy Serkis um, doing the uh, the Apes in Planet of the Apes or Gollum. Um, but you basically wear a, a, an unflattering grey leotard that's covered in little bobbles and dots. Those dots are picked up by the computer so that when you make a movement, the character that's been animated on screen follows the exact movement. That you do and then they normally have a camera that's directly on your face and dots all over your face so the micro movements of your face from smiling or frowning and then everything else like that are picked up by the computer and they're transposed onto the avatar that's on screen so no part of the human actor is on screen
1: Mm-hmm. only
0: their movements and their performance which is motion capture so it, it captures the motion that they do and transposes it into the animation what he wanted with this film is because we're playing essentially G.I. Joe dolls um, that come to life he wanted our faces to be our own faces um, and then the rest of our body to be motion capture but that technology doesn't exist so he's one of these filmmakers that's always pushing the envelope and not allowing limitations of technology to limit his creativity and as with when he did Polar Express he was like, well the technology doesn't exist so I'm going to build it. He now said I want the faces of the actors to be on the dolls and merge perfectly with the dolls and they showed me test footage that they did a year ago. Steve Carell plays the lead in it, a guy called Mark Hogan camp.
1: Yeah,
0: and uh, they showed me test footage of it and I've sat, sat with one of my heroes, uh, Robert Zemeckis in, in, in an editing room him in los angeles i'd just flown in from london and he showed me this test footage they did of um, steve carell uh as a as a gi joe doll dancing essentially <laughs> and i started giggling i was giggling like a child and i, I apologized to him i said i Uh, I'm giggling because it's just it's like I'm watching test footage from very much around it. It's like I'm sitting there watching something nobody's ever done before because I'm watching this doll come to life with ball socket joints like dolls have and moving like a doll but it's Steve Carell's picture perfect face on it but blending perfectly with this plastic looking
1: Yeah, it was it was a pretty good year for me. Wow! So you've been getting work and work, man. That's amazing. Um, what, what is what is the film that what is the name of the Robert Zemeckis film that's coming out? What is the name of that? It's called Women of Marwin. W M
0: R W B N. Um, the, the, the name may change. They haven't locked on that name yet, but it'll be coming out in November this year, November two thousand and eighteen. Oh, okay. Uh, The performance that he did on a character that is so different from who he is—it's just going to break people's hearts and make them fall in love with the simplicity and the beauty of his creations. It's fascinating to watch. I think it's going to be a good one.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Can we can definitely can't wait to see that. Definitely in November, can't wait to see that. Um, what did you take away going to India for five weeks did, um, as opposed to being where you're at do you like do you see like like do you appreciate the different cultures do you appreciate like the oh
0: everything i mean I, I, I did so many different adventures while I was over there and, and um, i mean there's, there's not really a one takeaway i mean i guess I guess the main takeaway is the fact that um, how this is a personal note for me how i don't need to be. Um, so constantly in contact with distractions, and mm-hmm. I'm choosing that word carefully because that, that encompasses um, distractions being
1: uh, phone calls or whatnot,
0: relationships with oh. relationships with people who are toxic that don't necessarily serve me, but I'm, I'm too polite to not um, sever the ties. Social media, uh, continually. Um, social media is a beautiful tool, and I love it, and I, 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 I love having social. media. Using it, but I don't need to spend hours on social media trolling through every single day. Um, and because when I was over there, I had no Wi-Fi, and mm. I was essentially disconnected from the, the, the work and society that I knew, and just travelling around this beautiful place. Like a simple thing, even um, a simple thing was: I'm so used to sitting and eating my meals whilst trolling through social media or watching a TV show on an iPad or something like this. But because I didn't have any of that there, I would sit and I would eat every single meal and just enjoy the meal. And it's like 10 I mean, If you eat a meal on your own, and you're not convorting and, and, and having a dinner party. It's like 10, maybe 15 minutes to eat a meal. Um, so it's really just 10, 15 minutes, three or four times a day where I stop and I'm not distracting myself with something else and just paying full attention to the thing that I'm doing. And it seems like a little thing, but to just sit and just enjoy the food for food's sake was such a wonderful experience to have, just savour the flavours and all that kind of stuff. And it was just a reminder to me of how much I've distracted myself from things in my normal life. And it's not as easy to transpose that to being back to to working and living in LA and everything else like that because there's a lot going on but it's a nice little takeaway to know that I don't need to be constantly connected to everything and actually detaching is makes my soul feel good.
1: Wow, that's that's amazing. You know? And also you took a trip to New York recently as well, right? And other places.
0: Yeah, I was there shooting, I'm shooting, I'm shooting, a, I'm shooting a, a, a short film called Perfect Pair, which I'm, I'm just in love with. I just think it's an adorable story. I came up with the idea whilst, whilst I was in Vancouver shooting uh, the Robert Zemeckis film. And um, just in its nutshell, it's a love story. It's about um, a sock puppet searching for love. And he goes on a uh, a dating site called Perfect Pair. And um, can't find the person he's looking for until eventually this beautiful pink sock puppet comes up on his feed. And what we watch is this adorable exchange between these two um, sock puppets as they slowly get to know each other and hopefully fall in love. And it... Is conceived as like a live action Pixar film so mm. just charming and adorable and the kind of thing that it already make every time I think about it I have a big grin on my face and <laughs>
1: it's the kind of
0: film that I think once complete that people are just going to watch and it's just going to make you fall in love again and just they just the kind of warm fuzzies that come from those kind of things that just make you feel good um, it's just one of those life affirming stories that I just think is adorable um, and I went to New York to shoot part of it because the end the end scene I wanted to take place on Brooklyn Bridge. Um, and um, we shot in a cafe there, a wonderful cafe um, in Brooklyn uh, called City Bear um, who were generous enough to let us shoot in there for free um, and was so helpful. Uh, see, I shot, shot there for two days and then I came back to LA and I'm piecing things together because I needed to build a website. I've been raising money for the shoot as well. Arrgh. And he offered to come on board and, and write the music for Perfect Pair.
1: Oh. Thankfully, a
0: vastly reduced rate for what he's not paid. <laughs> and we sat again. This is, this, is, this comes back to the giddy children thing. We sat in this recording studio, and I was talking to him about what I wanted for the music. And I said the music has a sort of Parisian jazz feel, just this very most accordion light, beautiful, like Amelie. I don't know if you ever saw the film Amelie. Yes, but, yes. Uh, That kind of tone. And um, so we started playing around with stuff, and he went you know what we should do? All the percussion should be played on a sock drawer. I was like, that's a, that's a hilarious, brilliant idea. He said, actually, let, let, let's do that right now. And we went into his recording studio and we started playing with our feet, essentially doing foot taps and stomps and playing with the zips on my feet and taking my boots off and hitting them together and recording individual little percussive sounds. And he built this percussive um, keyboard so that he can write all of the percussion drums will all be played by feet on feet, which is so perfect for my sock puppet movie. And then he sat there and we talked and he started composing this beautiful jazz piece, but putting all of the the underneath it is my foot stops. And all of the percussion is like foot scrapes of a sock and things like this. And it's just charming. The two of us were just sat there for two hours, just enwrapped in this little world we were creating. And, uh, that's what it's all about for me passionate people making passionate projects passionate making. I just, it, it just it fills me with joy and I think that I believe that in kind of like the way that um, Chocolat that movie uh, whatever you create whether it be a meal a, a a birthday present for somebody if you make it with passion and if you make it with love that emotion can't help but come through in the end product we all know that we've been to a place and They've had exactly the same ingredients as some other restaurant. But you're like, what did you do to this? This tastes amazing. And the only difference has to be the fact that it's made with love. It's made with passion. And I think that, you know, this kind of film, Perfect Pair, because it just feels such joy. I know when it's done and it should be done around about the beginning of April and then it will have its life in the uh, festivals. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have all of that love and joy just oozing out of it.
1: Yeah, it's passionate when you talk about it because you've been passionate about filmmaking and you're actually doing it. And, you know, the visions and the thoughts you have in your head, you're putting it to screen. So it's amazing that all this is coming to fruition for you. Um, um, And you also did recently Off-Ramp, which was a really powerful movie. Um, And, you know, it's a really, really short film, but it hits home. Um, Can you talk a little bit about Off-Ramp?
0: Yeah, off-ramp off ramp I shot a year and a half ago, and um, I think we talked about it a little bit when I, was doing, when I spoke to you last time. It was just uh, one quarter of all the homeless people in all of the United States reside in Los Angeles, which is a staggering fact. And if you come off of any freeway in Los Angeles, pretty much every freeway on the off-ramp coming off the freeway, there's a homeless person there begging. And I noticed that I had started to become desensitized to them after living in Los Angeles for 12 mm-hmm. years at that point. And you'd see these people and almost subconsciously stiffen, I would stiffen my neck to look away because if I looked at them and I made eye contact, I'd feel guilty that I didn't have anything to give them. And there was all this litany of emotions that came in with it. So one day I was walking and I stopped and I sat, I had a chat with a guy on the off ramp, I had an amazing chat with this guy on the off ramp um, I gave him some food, just had a little conversation with him, and what I took away from it was the fact that these people, they don't choose to be there. I mean, there are panhandlers, unfortunately, who are the muddy the waters for genuine people who are in need of help, but um, they don't choose to be there. Mm-hmm. And through a series of bad choices or unfortunate circumstances have ended up in this unfortunate place. I was flat broke. I didn't have, yeah, I'd, I'd had a really bad run of things. I was. Um, I got like twenty grand's worth of debt. I only had three hundred dollars in my bank account. That um, was. That was the only cash I had access to. Myself back up again and if I could if I with a lack of fortitude but I was one degree away and suddenly it made me go wow I'm not as distance from these people as possible as I possibly thought I was so I started researching it and going on websites and talking to more people who were on our friends and homeless people and so I, the idea became that I wanted to tell a story um, about somebody who's making on an off ramp but then tell the story of why they ended up there what the cause was and through a series of conversations he has chance of redemption at the end mm-hmm. and I want to be the sort of story that wakes people up and makes them look at homelessness in a slightly different way but also at the end of it there's a sense of hope site through neiljackson.me they can go there and there'll be links uh there to see the full film and as you said it's a short film it's 19 minutes long um but um, the response has been incredible and just hearing people talking about it and it kind of doing what i wanted it to do so I made a sign that said um, all I want is a smile I didn't want to say I'm homeless and hungry and those kind of things and I was in almost tears after about 20 minutes of being there because the sense of isolation and separation I felt from society
1: was Mm -hmm. profound
0: because people didn't just ignore me, they actively ignored me as people would pull up to the off ramp, I would see their necks stiffen and they would purposefully not look at me Hmm. and purposefully pretend Hmm. And then some people um, would roll down the windows and hand me a dollar or two dollars and whatever money I made I then went and gave to actual homeless people that were um, in the neighborhood. generosity as i said i gave that money to people who generally needed it but as she drove off i bent down and i was picking the coins up from the road and there was a man in a brand new escalade honking his horn at me because i was holding up his day by 10 seconds picking up dimes and quarters from the road wow. and that contrast just blew my mind and yeah. it's amazing how we can easily get Locked up in the mire of our own existence and not be empathetic and think about the way that other people are. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people say, and I've heard people that I dearly love say, oh, they should just get a job or just why are they begging and, and, and looking at these people as less than human. Mm-hmm. But the thing that struck me is standing there, I already felt embarrassed. I already felt like I was disconnected from society. And the most beautiful thing wasn't that people gave me money. The most beautiful thing was when somebody looked at me and gave me a smile and made me feel human, valuable again, like I had worth. And so that lesson alone now, I I always engage with people on the off-ramps. And I always, if I don't have something to give them, I always wind up my window and, and ask them how they're doing, give a smile, try to give a word of encouragement because it's a tough existence and it's not one that we would willfully choose to have and I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy to go through that level of, of, of pain um, so to make the film and now have people having those discussions and, and find out that it's affected people in the way that I wanted it to that started a positive change is, is beautiful
1: to me Wow that's awesome that's awesome because you know it's funny that you said that because the lady who really didn't have much seemed like gave you all she had and the guy in Escalade is like hurry up man get out of my yeah. way you know so it's it's yeah, like it's, yeah, yeah. It's just an obstruction. Yeah, it's the parallels it's just an of life, though. You know. Yeah. And well, it's and
0: it's it's, it's sometimes I, we, we all need reminders. I need reminders constantly to lift my head up from my own sort of um, mired existence. And we're all going through our own journeys. And 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 we all know the analogies of of, of you know walk just ten steps in another man's shoes and that kind of stuff but it's very easy to forget that and live within the, I've got to get to my meeting. I've got to get to my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm late to get to, I need to get to the grocery store or I'm busy. My stuff is busy and my stuff is important. And it's not to stay the short, your stuff isn't important, but other people are going through huge things as well. And to ignore the human struggle of everybody else around us is, 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 is a very sad, um, State of affairs to live in, and I think it's not to get political. It's, it's it's part of the reason that societarily we're in the situation that we are now is that was because we've we've disconnected from our collective um, empathy that we 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 as human beings naturally have. We naturally want to be empathetic and help our fellow man. But as our tribe has grown so large, it's been easier and easier and easier to disconnect, not look up, and not have that empathetic out. Um, so I think it's important to stop and and be reminded that uh, we are all human beings and we're going through this struggle together and and to make a film that has helped people see that in some small way is is wonderful to me and kind of the reason I do it
1: Uh, uh, What about um, your music? Has it inspired you for songs or anything?
0: I no, I mean, I did, really, the last like, two okay. years have been um, very much um, filmmaking.
1: Oh, okay. Um,
0: and that's, I mean, for, for me, that's the beauty of art. I mean, it's just kind of like I, I still play, I still play my guitar and love, and I love playing music, and, and I still occasionally write songs and write music. But um, I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories, and the medium that the story comes in isn't as important to me. Whether I tell a story as an actor, whether I tell a story as a songwriter. Before more whether I tell a story as a writer or as a as a director, I love telling stories, and it just so happens the last couple of years really have been focused on me telling stories as a filmmaker and directing them uh, with our friend with Perfect Pair. I've got a feature film that we're setting up at the moment that I'm going to direct. Um, we're out to financiers um, that I've been writing over the last um, six months. So that's really capturing my enthusiasm, and that's not to say that in six months I won't. You know what? I need? I, <laughs> I, I want to go out on the road and do some gigs, but um, it—you know—there's there, there's so many different clays with which to create art. You know, and and, and, it, and it's fun playing with them all.
1: Yeah. So, um, perfect pair. Um, it's still—you still have your GoFundMe page for that, right? You still
0: still have the GoFundMe page. You know, yeah. It's right? yes, GoFundMe me Slash Perfect Pair, uh, and you know, we're still raising money. We, have, we haven't raised the full budget, so. When there's yeah, when there's just enough money in there now to be able to film, um, but we won't be able to do post-production. So I'm still raising money on that. So if anybody um, yeah is listening and is inspired, and would would love to support and help. I would be very very grateful if they're able to go on the um, GoFundMe um, site as I said, it's GoFundMe.com backslash Perfect Pair, um, and help us out however they can.
1: And then you also have the Women of Marwin coming up. That's in November.
0: And then there Sometime around April, May time, I believe.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: So that'll be coming out second season of uh, Westworld, and then uh, I'll be going back to Bulgaria to shoot the second season of Absentia, which is on um, Amazon Prime right now.
1: Yeah. Well, what is Absentia? What is it about for the people who don't know?
0: Absentia is a a, a really gripping thriller um, about um, an FBI woman who is um, uh, she's hunting a serial killer um, and um she ends up going missing and is believed dead and then six years later um, it turns out she wasn't dead after all she um she resurfaces and what then unfolds is this really intricate story about where has she been and what has she been doing and some people believe that she herself is the serial killer and some people believe that she's innocent so it's this amazing story, played incredibly by Stana Attic um, who rose to fame um, through working on Castle. And she she does this incredibly heartbreaking and nuanced performance. Um,
1: Patrick Huesinger, um plays her ex-husband, um, and he's a he's
0: a he's a force to be reckoned with on screen. It's 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 a fantastic um, show, and it's got a whole host of other amazing cast. Um, yeah, we shot it in Bulgaria last year and uh, it got released I believe three weeks ago or four weeks ago on Amazon Prime so it's now available pretty much worldwide either through AXN the Sony TV channel or on Amazon
1: okay. and
0: people seem to be loving it which is which is great, it's one of those, I keep hearing people saying, I, yeah, I watched the first episode and uh, uh, two days later i binged the entire series um, and wow. it's one of those that it kind of it gets you at the end and you're like oh, I'll watch ten minutes more, I'll watch ten minutes more before you <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah we're a society now that binge watches a lot of things Now, like where there are shows on t v like even myself, like network shows, I usually d v r everything and try to watch it all in one you know one lump sum instead of you know watching yeah. it week to week you know it's, it, which is great because it's, it's changing the way that we view because it's changing the way that we view uh content you know it used to be that you would you'd watch it
0: on your Tuesday night show. And then you have to wait until Tuesday night and rush home at eight o'clock. You watch a Tuesday night show, but you've had a week in between watching it, which means the way it was written and the way that it was edited, they had to do recaps and kind of like previously on and yeah. kind of catch you up on where you all were. But now with binge watching TV, it means that the writing can be a lot smarter because you haven't had a week respite between watching stuff. Um, and even if it's network shows and shows that are on once a week, they know people are binging them, so they're they're writing them in a more intricate way, with understanding that people are watching them back to back. So, I just think the quality of content now is through the roof. I mean, we're we're in we're in a really bygone gold, sorry, old golden era of, of, of writing and and storytelling. Um, because the cream is really rising to the top at the moment because of the appetite of people for content. Yeah. It's a really exciting time to be in the industry.
1: Yeah. And also
0: a great time to be a consumer. There's amazing, <laughs> amazing <laughs> stuff out there. I love TV. I love TV and film at the moment. It's just like, it seems like every week there's a brand new Netflix or Amazon or Hulu or um, CBS or NBC or whatever it happens to be show coming out. You just go, oh, I've got to watch this one now. <laughs> So yeah, it's, it's it's a great time for uh, sitting on my bum and watching TV. <laughs> Not while I'm eating, though. No, just to clarify.
1: <laughs> um, few more questions. Um, before I uh, I let you go. Um, I know you played a vampire in um um, Blade the series and the originals. Um, I know you had that supernatural element also, and I know you're a comic fan. Um, are you looking or have you been like looking out there for like a possible role, like in a Marvel film or even like a DC film or any comic book films that interest you?
0: Uh, yeah, dude, I'd love, I'd love to, um, uh, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of that stuff first and foremost. Um, I mean, I just, just went and saw obviously, um, stuff opening weekend i love it um in terms of me acting in stuff
1: yeah
0: i don't really have a hunger anymore to i have to do this role i have to do this role i have to do this role i did when i was younger it was kind of like when i was younger it was like, i have to be james bond mm-hmm. uh, that was that was my primary driving goal which would still be fun i'd love to be james bond but um for me it's about content now and i do i want to i, I want to tell good stories and, and, and be a part of good projects playing good characters Um, or God's children go to eat and sometimes I'll I'll take a job that is for money Um, but um, yeah it's it's about what's out there at the moment and taking meetings and seeing what comes up I mean I'm I'm, I'm so lucky that within one year I got to play a, a, a recovering alcoholic who falls off the wagon in absentia which was Difficult and challenging and, and very satisfying to play and then I got to play a um a, a misogynistic guy who um then um becomes a, a G.I. Joe dog wow. uh, which was bizarre and then I got to be <laughs> in Westworld which I can't say what I played in that but I got to be in Westworld which was a, a really interesting character to play and really fun to bring to life um That's part of the reason that I love the world that I I I get to play in, because of that level of diversity. Um, If it turned out there was a there there was a Marvel project or a DC project in there, that would be fun. I'd love to do that. But um, I'm very I'm very lucky and grateful for the stuff that I do get to
1: play. That's awesome. That's awesome, Neil. um, Plug your social media. Plug, um, um, you know, your upcoming events. Anything you got going on?
0: social media is the neil jackson you can find me on twitter and instagram as the neil jackson um and my website is neiljackson.me and on there you can find all the information about what's going on with me you can find um information about perfect pair um i'm updating on that and also you can see off-ramp so you can go there and see the short film off-ramp and
1: And also you can hear some samples of your music as well, too, right? If people want to hear your your voice.
0: Yep, some samples of music are on there. Yeah, some samples of music, you can buy albums on there. Um, My music is available on iTunes, so you can go there and you can find, I have two albums um, on iTunes. Um, So, uh, yeah, you you can find stuff out there of me. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Ladies and gentlemen, that was the one and only Neil Jackson. Thank you so much, Neil, again.
0: Thank you so much, I really appreciate it.
1: And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.